Well, I've, all, I've been in the Senate a little over four years, and you know, you read in the press, hey, there's no bipartisanship, nothing gets done, the D's and R's hate each other. It's, you know, at least in my experience, it's just not true at all. And this is a great example. Uh, this is one of my closest friends in the Senate. You know, we have a lot of areas where we disagree, but we have a lot of areas where we where we agree. You know, we go out to dinner with our wives and, you know, um, just uh, help each other a lot on legislation. By the way, that happens a lot. You don't read about it, but it happens a lot. And uh, I think it's important for people to recognize that. I think it's important for people, our constituents back home, to see it, hear about it, and because uh, it often doesn't break through. So on this issue, um, just a couple things that kind of illustrate this. Uh, we had our Save Our Seas Bill 1.0. The really big one is going to be coming out here in the next uh, couple weeks, our 2.0 version of this legislation. But um, when we were getting ready to get the president to sign this uh, in the fall, um, my team, Larry in particular, was working with the White House, and uh, we, we said, look, you know, we want to make sure it's uh, Senator Sullivan and Senator Whitehouse, right, to come to the signing in the Oval Office. So, you know, there's a lot going on in the fall. If you remember, I won't go into the details. But um, so I was on the Senate floor talking to my good friend here, and I said, look, you, you want to come to this, but, um, you know, I got to be blunt. Are you? Are you going to behave if you're in the Oval Office with the president? And he said, of course, of course I'm going to behave. Um, is the president going to behave? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> but anyways, it turned out to be a really good event. Um, not only did everybody behave, everybody got along. I went in, pre-briefed the president on it. You know, he had a decent idea of what his administration was doing. But I think he got so excited that, you know, it was one of these, uh, and Mike Dubke's here, the former, former comms director, this was going to be a closed press, um, just a signing. And the president got so ex excited about what we were up to and passionate about it that at the last minute, you know, which I'm sure freaked out his staff, he just said, like, bring in all the press. So all of a sudden, this bill signing was live on CNN, live on Fox. Um, and it was a really good event. You could see the Did me a world of good at home. <laughs> Actually, I think it showed your bipartisan chops, right? So There you go. It was up for re-election during the time, so uh, you weren't hurt. Um, so that's one story, and it was a good story. But it also showed the administration, which is actually, and I think uh, Sheldon would acknowledge this too, they're doing a lot on this, right, in terms of he and I have been pressing uh, Ambassador Lighthizer to include the ocean debris issues into the new um, trade agreements. It's actually, there's a section in the new NAFTA on, on this issue, right? And that was something we had been encouraging. The president highlighted that. So that's one story. The next one, though, is a little bit more, um, I'm not sure exactly how you would describe it, but we did a, we did a press event about, what, six weeks ago. And um, we were all excited. Our staff worked on this really hard. And the reason we were excited is because when you look at this challenge, this is a solvable environmental challenge. It's a huge problem, but it's a solvable problem. Five countries, 10 rivers in Asia uh, constitute, the numbers are you know, a little bit uh, difficult to pin down, but at least over 70% of all the plastics in the ocean. Are, are, that, that's it, you can target. That's the problem, solvable, doable. And so what we were able to do at a, uh, uh, press event recently with Brian's help, it was Democrat, Republican, Senator, very focused on it. The Trump administration, which is 
100% backing what we've been working on. Um, all the big environmental groups, and importantly, industry. So Brian represents the American Chemi uh, Chemistry Council. They have been phenomenal on this. Our, again, our idea right off the bat was, this: we're not going to bludgeon people with this. We're going to bring them in and say, hey, we all need to solve this. So we had, at that event, the Alliance, this group called the Alliance for Plastic Waste. I know some uh, folks here, Shell and others, are represented. This is a group, uh, at least I think it's now 40, major, major companies, all the big ones. Uh, they pledged $1.5 billion uh, to, to work on this. Uh, there was four CEOs, including the CEOs of some huge companies, all at this precedent. Right? And we launched this, and we have a two hours, and guess so that's how you get things done. You, I don't have to tell you guys this. All the stakeholders align to work on a solvable environmental issue. Guess how much press we got out of that press conference? None. 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 Okay. And we were kind of, so Sheldon came up to me after and said, all right, I got an idea. Next time we do a press event, I'm going to start it by looking at you and say, all right, you knuckle-dragging climate idiot, right? Uh, and then I can say, you stupid liberal, uh, smack them up. And then we'll get everybody's attention because it's a conflict, and maybe they'll write about it. But the bottom line is there's a lot going on. You might not be reading about it. I actually, I'm not one of these guys, you know, enemy of the people, but the press is ignoring this. And it's a shame. And we need to help change that because this gives people hope. It's actually a really important issue. We're making good, good progress on it. We got the alignment of all the key stakeholders, including the President of the United States. And uh, we're going to keep pressing it, but we're going to need your help in getting the word out. And, uh, but it's, a, it's a overall a very good story. And by the way, the guy who got me very focused on this, interested in this, been the leader on oceans in the Senate for a long, long, long time is the guy sitting appropriately to my left, Sheldon Whitehouse. Actually, I proposed a couple of banana cream pies. We'd just keep each other a big whack in the face with a banana cream pie, and then we'd have all the coverage we wanted for the good stuff that was actually being done. Um, it's been great working with them uh, on this issue. One of the, uh, there's some very senate things about how we got there. And one is that we wouldn't have got a hearing at all on this if we hadn't resolved a turf conflict between Commerce and EPW, with Commerce Fisheries claiming jurisdiction and EPW, I guess, Waters and, yeah, waters and Wildlife claiming jurisdiction. So we had the very good fortune that Dan was the chairman of both. <laughs> so he took himself out in the hallway and had a tough negotiation and came back and said, Sheldon, we can have the hearing in EPW. So without that, that hearing never would have happened. So that was made for a really good start because the testimony came in wonderful on all sides. Then another senatism happened, which is that we are having this great hearing. We, the witnesses were all lined up. Usually it's like shirts and skins on anything environmental in EPW, but the Republicans were all coming in or being like really positive and wonderful. What's going on here? This is terrific. And then in walks Jim Inhofe, right? Oklahoma, oil and gas, square state, no coast. I'm thinking to myself, Jesus, Jim, couldn't you have just stayed away for this one? Can't, 
couldn't you give us just one good day? <clears throat> you have to come in here and you know, rain on our parade, right? So this is a story about prejudgment because Jim comes in and he listens to the witnesses and when it's time to question, he says, he starts talking about his youth and going from Oklahoma down to the Gulf Coast and being there to help with the little baby sea turtles when they come out of their shells and have to head down to the ocean to like wave off trucks and people coming up and down the beach. Who knew? He, he says, I want to be an original co-sponsor of your bill. Could have knocked me over with a feather. Jim is a powerhouse legislatively, and also because his, what I would call, anti-environment cred is so strong on the other side, it's like a flashing green light saying, safe to land, safe to land. So we instantly moved to having the whole Oceans Caucus, third Senate story, we have a caucus, a bipartisan caucus that works on these issues, and that takes something like this from being an idea, to having a group of supportive bipartisan senators who will look at the idea and see if they can be okay with it, and if we can get them all okay with it, then you can bring it to the floor with a very, very, very strong tailwind of bipartisan support, and then you can get stuff done by unanimous consent. And that's the way all of our Oceans Caucus stuff has been done. And Jim, from Square State, Oklahoma, joined the Oceans Caucus, became an original co-sponsor of the bill, and lent his very considerable legislative prowess to getting it done. So all of that is kind of a neat story of how all this comes to pass. Uh, but Dan has been really fabulous because a lot of this requires not just the uh, Congress to legislate, but for the executive branch to act. And he has been a one-man torpedo going to door after door after door in the White House administration and knocking on them and saying, get serious about this. We've got the Philippines Treaty underway right now. The Philippines is one of those big five uh, Asian nations that uh, Dan referred to. The president highlighted in, in his remarks, you know, we're doing a trade agreement with the Philippines. They're going to have a section on that. Yeah. So um, the administration seems to be paying quite a lot of attention to this. Uh, obviously, the more that we can do to crank them up, the more attentive that they will be. But as Dan said, this is a solvable problem. There are 10 rivers around the globe that put about 90% of this stuff into the sea. And there are five Asian nations that are responsible for more than half of it. And what they're doing wrong is not having grown-up, acceptable, upland waste management infrastructure. If we could make them, as a condition of trading with the United States, have to upgrade their waste management infrastructure to real-world standards, guess who would benefit from that? American waste management companies who would have huge new markets to go to. So there's a real win-win that is happening here. I'll close out by thanking uh, Cal Dooley and the American Chemistry Council. They've been terrific partners. We built some bipartisan cred on TSCA, the Toxic Chemicals Bill, and that trust makes a very, very big difference in, in our world. Uh, and Cal agreed to stay on in order to continue this. I actually got a real kick. One of my favorite documents ever was the American Chemistry Council announcement that he was staying on because they said, we're so delighted that Cal is staying back, staying on so that he can work on marine plastic debris because it's such a vital issue. And then Cal's statement was, I'm so glad to be staying on because I'm determined to work on marine plastic debris because it's such a big issue. And then the closing was, you know, together we're going to work on marine plastic debris because it's such a big issue. It's like, yes, thank you. You are on message. I love it. <laughs> so 
you know, we, we've, we, we've got some, some, uh, some good work together, but we really, really have to take this seriously. This can't be one of those issues in which we celebrate our bipartisanship and yuck it up about that without testing it against a real result. When you go to the bottom of the Marianas Trench and find creatures that never see daylight with their little bellies stuffed with microplastic so that they are, it inhibits their ability to feed. When you see whales stranded ashore with 88 pounds of plastic in their stomach, uh, and when you see that it's so embedded throughout that when you go to beer, which Dan and I take very seriously, uh, you find microplastic residue in beer after all the treatment that it's been through because it's just everywhere. It's in our fish, it's in our oysters, it's in everything. Um, we really have to get after this in a very, very serious way. Otherwise, future generations are going to look back at this residue still kicking around because it'll last forever, and they're going to say, what the hell went wrong with those people in that generation that they let this happen and then didn't do anything about it to stop it? And to say, well... At least they were bipartisan about failing, is not good enough. So, uh, and Dan's been, like I said, terrific. And now we're on SOS 2.0 to strengthen the beachhead that we formed with Save Our Seas. Senators, thank you. And before I open up for questions, I think the one thing that I'd like to at least hear is personalizing this issue just a little bit. You know, I had an opportunity to work with you, Senator, and your staff during my EPW days, and we passed a number of, of environmental measures together, and you've always been a champion. And in particular, I know that your wife is, is very engaged in these issues. And Senator Sullivan, a couple months ago, I was able to talk to you about this issue in, uh, when we were down in California, and you raised, you know, specifically how this was impacting Alaska and your personal experience. So if you, if you, could, if you could just personalize this a little bit, why you're focused on this, and then we'll open it up for questions for well, let me start by saying that one of the things that uh, Dan and I have in common is that we are both, uh, as somebody once said to me, preposterously overmarried. <laughs> um, his wife is an Alaskan princess who cares an enormous amount about fisheries because she's got a like ancient fishing camp on the Yukon River that goes back to time immemorial. My wife is a marine scientist who has worked out in the field and as a Navy trained surface supported diver and um, you didn't know that did you? I didn't. <laughs> and uh, so you know we both get it at home. Uh, I take it, you know one of the things we do in Rhode Island is we go and we have annual beach cleanups where you'll pick up all the plastic refuse that washed ashore off the beaches. It's like beach cleanup day in Rhode Island. What I learned from that first hearing is that in Dan's state they don't do this with trash bags. They are in the tons per mile of plastic waste on the beaches category, which we don't have to live with because we're not a Pacific state. And it takes barges and helicopters and front-end loaders and specialized trained people and equipment to clear Dan's beaches. So we have a huge, huge uh, common uh, interest, and we also both get it at home. <laughs> yeah, I, w I would agree fully with that. You know, um, as Sheldon mentioned, my wife Julie is an Alaska native. Her family's had a, what's called a fish camp on the Yukon River fishing for kings, as she likes to say, for about 10,000 years. 
right? So that that part of her life, you know, is uh, her family's been in Alaska for a long, long time. Got there by walking over the land bridge, um, literally. Uh, so, but as he mentioned, you know, not to go back to the size of our states, but Alaska has more coastline than the rest of the lower 48 states combined. So, um, and when we talk about the plastic debris coming from Asia, the way the currents are is that a, and it's, as Sheldon said, tons, tons of it washes up on the shores uh, in my state. So it's a humongous problem, but again, a solvable problem. And I think that that's the, that's the takeaway we want to leave with all of you and that there's a lot of important work being done. And I think getting the stakeholders, industry, and all the big environmental groups uh, aligned, which they are on this is uh, really important and um, one of the reasons we're optimistic about it. Thank you. I'm going to open it up for questions. People like to ask the senators a couple questions. I've got more I can ask, but I'd, I'd like to open it up and not be the only one asking questions. I'll ask, what's, what's the timeline for when you think you'll we'll notice that pro real progress is being made? Well, let, let me just talk. Legislatively, we just sent out our, and I can go into all the details if you want on the bill, the SOS 2.0, but what we, literally our teams and my, my staff and Senator Whitehouse staff have been working like hand and glove on this. We just sent this out to, you know, the, all the agencies, environmental groups, industry, just in the last week, and it's pretty, it's a big bill, right? It's a serious bill. Um, for the 2.0 legislation, we put a deadline for two weeks to get us back with comments, and then uh, including the administration, which I think is going to be super supportive. Like I said, whether it's the president or Ambassador Lighthouser or um, um, the Secretary of State, uh, they've all been great on this. So we intend to get this legislation out by the end of this month and really make a big push on the legislation side. But, um, and again, I, I can give you the details if you'd like, or maybe we just hand them out at the end, but this has to be like a classic um, example of um, government, international government, local, you know, uh, the US government, but very, very much private sector and um, other stakeholders involved. And what, what we're trying to do in this legislation is have a place for all of them to land, right? A place for all of them to coordinate their efforts. There's a lot of groups out there right now. We, we're seeing it quite a lot. You know, National Geographic has done a great job on highlighting this. There's some groups that are very, very focused on this. Uh, again, the ACC, um, Brian and Cal Dooley have done a great job. So the alignment is really starting uh, to happen. And, um, you know, of course, it's going to take decades, in my view, to finally fix it. But there is a, we are at a moment right now where the attention to this issue is, is really, really increasing, which is great. And I think that the legislation that we're working on, the stakeholder alignment, is uh, really well-timed. And this will be the beginning of what's going to be a long-term effort, but very solvable very solvable and that's exciting. I think uh, some of the tests not on the legislative side but out in the field are going to be um, can we get a lot of agreements for instance at the next oceans conference 
coming up in Oslo in October. Will this be a big deal for the administration in negotiating the treaty with the Philippines? Uh, what kind of outreach will they, they, they be doing through the um, Southeast Asia CETO through to get Vietnam, Thailand, Indonesia, Philippines? China's going to be tough. There's a lot going on. And but they're a big problem. Huh? The other four, um, to agree to this. And then what, where do we sort out the global plan for these 10 rivers? And what does it look like? You know, you can go to small rivers in Europe, and you can see that they have rigs where they've boomed the river in various places on an angle, and the current steers the plastic down to a catchment basin that is solar-powered, and when it fills up, they just come and bring it, dump it into the truck, and away it goes to uh, processing. A little hard to do that with the Mekong. I've seen the Mekong in flood. It's quite a beast when it's in flood. But there are a whole variety of ways where you could take advantage of, you know, eddies and ways to trap that stuff and then process it in addition to doing the upland uh, waste management infrastructure. So uh, those will be some of the early tests of how serious everybody is about this. Let me, let me mention one more point on what, what uh, Sheldon was just saying. The, the other element, and we have it in our legislation, is kind of creating like the idea of an innovation prize. Because when you talk, you get the American Chemistry Council involved. One of the holy grail ideas that we are really pressing on this, and it's, we haven't been able to do it yet, but I think it's doable. I'm not a scientist, but I'm told that people think it's doable. Is if you were able to create a, have a plastic bottle, for example, that has water in it, because a lot of people use that around the world, and somehow that gets discarded, not on purpose, but it gets discarded in the ocean. And if you can create the chemical processes where that fully biodegrades, fully, because right now it doesn't, that's the big problem. A, that would be a huge boom to this problem. Mm. But B, whoever figures that out is going to make billions. And in my view, they should, right? Yeah. We're still a capitalistic country, I think, aren't we? Um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, no, I'm good with that, actually. Uh, uh, <laughs> But, um, so that's why I'm talking about the stakeholder side on that kind of innovation that we can help kind of spur, but that's going to that's gonna be, you know, Shell and other companies that are going to figure that one out. But if we do, you know, the people who figure that out will rightfully be well paid, but it will really, really help with regard to this problem. One of the things we have seen in uh, Peter Lefkin with Allianz, uh, one of the things we've seen in the climate change debate is the emergence of stakeholders, some of whom we are sort of surprising because they seem to come out of nowhere. And they're fun, sort of other advocacy organizations and opposition. That we, have that emerged in the context of this debate uh, in terms of opposition to this legislation? Has, is there anybody brewing out there that is intent on sort of upsetting the apple cart and the, over, and the excellent consensus mm -hmm. that you seem to have reached? I don't think so. I think that there is, for a long time, I think the Republican Party had a very strong principle that one shouldn't regulate in economic space. Price controls, licensing standards, all of that could be d diminished innovation and so forth. At some point, that kind of crept over into, you shouldn't regulate pollution either. And that wasn't the traditional value, but it kind of has become that. And there's a whole array of outfits that 
are designed to do exactly that, to go to bat against whatever progress we're trying to make and obscure the hands of the people who are behind them. It's a big infrastructure. As best as I can tell, none of it is being deployed against this, none of it, which is a really good sign. What I do see is that within the administration, there is some reluctance to press on this. There was a story recently about the big Nairobi plastics conference where the whole world came together to try to do something fairly big. And the blame was on the US for having been the skunk at the picnic who took down what could have been a much stronger global agreement all by ourselves, maybe with the Saudis with us. And um, you know that we were not leading, we were dragging on this. But I think that is kind of bureaucratic inertia and people who haven't gotten the message yet. Uh, that's what I see as the problem right now. It's more inertia and people who haven't gotten the message yet and have a bit of a reflex to um, you know, not interfere. But so far, the apparatus of opposition that we see in other areas has not geared up on this subject. So. Yeah, and I would almost say, I would agree with... Dan would let him, he'd go raise hell. Well, I mean, I, I would almost agree that it's almost what we're seeing is the opposite. So, I mean, the, the example, Sheldon talked about this Nairobi conference. He, we, I wasn't aware of that, right? So we're kind of, you know, we're looking into it. I, I didn't know if that's the case. We got some calls into some folks in the administration saying, hey, guys, what's up with this? Is this accurate? Sometimes the media doesn't always get the story right. So we were taking a look into that question. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when you have this alliance for plastic waste, the alliance to end plastic waste, these are big companies. I've been asked by the media, well, do you think they're serious? I'll let the companies speak for themselves, but, you know, they've already pledged, and I don't think it's like a fake pledge, $1.5 which isn't going to solve the problem, but it's also not a small amount of money. That's private money to, to work on this. So... There's been some media reports that, oh, this Alliance for Plastic Waste is kind of greenwashing and they're trying to, but I don't think so. I, uh, you know, the, we had four CEOs at our, at our big press conference and they were very, very serious. ACC's done a great job spearheading this. Cal Dooley's literally staying on. You got a lot of, you know him, really good, you know, Republican congressman. He's literally staying on there to take this issue on. I mean, that's not, as Sheldon said, they clearly emphasize that in their press release, but it was not BS, it's, it's the truth. When you talk to him, ask him. I think that's what he's very focused on. So the answer uh, is no, and uh, to the contrary, I think, again, we have this alignment, including with the, you know, you could, one, one, one of the things that's good about our Oval Office signing with the president, you know, we, you know, they had talking points that the president used when he was signing our bill, but then he, he talked a lot about it. The, in a way that wasn't related to the talking points. Very passionate, very focused, and you know when you run into bureaucratic, uh, you know inertia, it's always good to be able to trot out the president's statement on this kind of stuff. That you know we were standing right next to him when he made it, saying, "Hey, look, your boss really cares about this. You know, you might want to get with the program." So um, again, I think there's good alignment. It is wrong right that those countries are turning our beautiful oceans into their landfills. Yeah, that's what he said. Right. And I looked at Chuck. Write that down. <laughs> use that. We've used that a lot. We got a bumper sticker now. We go to meetings with. Yeah. So the answer, I think, is no. Right. Go for 
Senators. So, good. so Senators, I think we have time for one more question, and Larry needs to get you to a hearing, I'm pretty sure. But one more quick question. Yeah, Meredith Broadband International Trade Commission. Um, thanks. This is really fun. Can you talk a little bit about the USMCA agreement and how you got the provision in there and whether it was controversial? We may have different versions of this, and I don't have first-hand knowledge, so I should probably... I've been raising this with uh, Ambassador Lighthizer and, um, uh, you know, the entire State Department apparatus. And I think, again, that uh, I'm pretty sure it wasn't in Trade Promotion Authority. We did get a section in the latest TPA when President Obama requested it that my office wrote on fisheries. So there's a whole new section in the TPA legislation on sustainable fisheries. It, it, believe it or not, had never been in Trade Promotion Authority uh, 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 negotiation uh, objectives. So that's in there now. So the new NAFTA and all have really good focus on fisheries and sustainable oceans. So I actually think it's not a big step beyond that. And uh, so uh, we were, you know, and this again, this is how we're working together. He was saying, hey, you know, you got a better relationship with these guys than I do. Can you press that? So I've raised it with Pompeo and his team. You know, I was an assistant secretary of state in the Bush administration, so I, I have still understand how the State Department works and have my contacts there. But Secretary Pompeo has been great on this as well. So, um, you know, the provision isn't like super duper strong, but the fact that it's in there and it's a part of it, and the president highlighted it in his remarks with us and said, we're going to continue to put this in trade agreements is uh, powerful, and I think they're working on it. I think the language was drafted really before a lot of this kind of energy lit up, before the bill was passed in bipartisan fashion, before the bill signing and all that. So the story that I've heard is that the language got in despite the U.S. delegation, not because of the U.S. delegation, and that we drew the language down to marine litter, instead of marine plastic debris or whatever the, you know, really operating terms are globally. So we had not been, again, we we're dragging our heels and slowing progress rather than leading progress. But it is in there, and we did accept it and agree to it. And I do think since then, this shift that Dan describes and has had a huge hand in making happen uh, has taken place. So I think, as I said earlier to your question, the Philippines language is going to be the test case. We've got the unfortunate story out of Mexico. We've got the unfortunate story out of Nairobi. That may have just been like people way down the line not getting the message yet. But the Philippines, I think, would be a really good asset test of has the administration truly come on board with this, or are we just getting patted on the head and told to run along?